you for the singing, the specials. Um, that was great. You know, it's, it's amazing. Now, uh, Brother Kurt, where would you preach from this morning in the Bible? What, what was... <laughs> Here? <laughs> John chapter 5. John 5, okay, okay. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, you don't know when you're a guest speaker, which I'm not too often, okay? Um, and and I, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be uh, filling the pulpit. Um, it's such a challenge, it seems like, and uh, my wife would definitely tell you I've struggled with this, just knowing where to preach from. Um, obviously, you'd say, well, the whole, it's all good, right? Turn anywhere in the Bible, it's all good. I've heard a message when I was in college from, uh, from the concordance, all right? Now, I don't know about all that, but uh, anyways, okay? So, uh, but it is, it's all good, but you have just this little bit of time. You're uh, preaching to a church, a wonderful church, a church that loves Jesus Christ, that's following the leadership of their pastor who loves Jesus Christ, as he follows the Lord, you have a, you do you have a wonderful pastor, um, and uh, and so it's it's been a challenge. But um, I've gone back and forth on different messages, and uh, and just being here, uh, the Lord's solidified that in my heart. I, I'd like to talk tonight uh, from the book of Romans um, on our burden for the lost. How is your burden for the lost and for the lost of our own country? Um, and so if you would like to turn to Romans chapter 1, uh, we'll, we'll begin looking in there. Um, and just the, the song, you know, Just One More Soul, uh, boy, wouldn't that, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, really is. That's why we're still here as Christians, as believers. We're not just up to heaven as soon as we get saved. Uh, that's why we exist as a church, is to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't take too long to look around this world and look around our country and realize that we have a lost world. And they're looking for a Savior. They may not be looking for it in Jesus Christ, but they're looking for a Savior. They want more than what they have, and we have it, and we've got to get that to them. And, uh, and so here in Romans chapter 1, um, I guess before I get to uh, going too soon, I do uh, would like to thank your pastor uh, for having me preach and be here, and thank you for being here. Um, it's never too uh, awesome to preach in an empty auditorium, but uh, uh, thank you all for being here, and, uh, and I really mean it. I, I love your church. I love your pastor, uh, uh, your husband, and your dad, all right? And I think it covers everything. Um, and, you know, you all have such a, a, a you, you can tell a man's life by his family. And uh, I don't just say that because y'all are sitting here, but I, I, I believe that. Um, no family is perfect, all right? So, and I don't think you'd pick on the family because somebody isn't perfect because all of our families are, uh, have some imperfections. And if you think you don't, you're probably the imperfection, right? <laughs> or at least the crazy one. Nah, my family doesn't have anybody crazy. Yeah, you're probably the crazy one, so... That's how it works. Uh, so uh, I, I am. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that we can be together in church. Uh, there's a lot of places, even in our own country, which is crazy to say, that can't gather for church. Um, our church, uh, Seattle Baptist Church, we did have uh, two services this morning. We're still online for Sunday night, and so I'm happy to be here in church. Uh, it's just not the same, right, being online. Uh, as, uh, and now I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we can have that opportunity, uh, that tool to reach folks. There are some who uh, maybe shouldn't and need to be a little more careful. Um, and so I'm thankful we have all those, these tools. And I think it's very important that we use these tools in getting the gospel out. Uh, the devil uses them. We know that. 
But let's not be so scared of all the tools that the devil used not to take those tools and use them for good um, and getting the gospel out. And so uh, as we look at the book of Romans and as we think about that, I, I just ask that question. I'd just like to ask that question up front. Uh, what, how is your burden for the lost? Um, and I think we could all say, well, it's probably not as good as it should as soon as the moment we think about that. Um, but I'd like to look from Scripture at a man named Paul um, who God used to pen the book of Romans and see his heart. And uh, I hope that we can catch his fire for the Lord. As I think of Paul, you're going to think I'm just making this up, but I'm not. I think of Pastor Tav Shaver. Um, just, you know, I, now I'm not a big guy, okay? I'm not a tall guy. My little brother's way bigger than me. He could beat me up, okay? Uh, but uh, brother, uh, or, uh, so, so I just think of Brother Shaver. You know, they say Paul was probably a shorter guy. Right. Um, that's what they say. You know, now Brother Shaver could beat me up, too. OK, but uh, so that's what I'm saying. He's not here. Uh, so uh, but, you know, um, he, he they say Paul is probably a shorter guy. Right. But just on fire uh, for the Lord, just a joyful man. Uh, you know, at times as he's planning churches, as he's preaching the gospel, uh, he's working, laboring with his own hands. Uh, he said, I'm not in different parts of the New Testament. He says, I'm not going to take advantage. He said, I could I could ask a church for money because I am working and serving the Lord in that. But I'm not going to. And, and you know, just I just I think of Pastor Shaver as he fits that. Uh, and Paul, the apostle, you got to understand, he was totally wrapped up, consumed, constrained by the love of Christ that Christ had for him. As we think about his past, we think of him as being Saul, uh, who went out persecuting Christians, would come to a place like this and pull Christians out and put them in prison and go to homes and pull families apart and put them in prison and have them put to death, all because they named the name of Jesus and all because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. But God saved him from that. And God pulled him out of that and changed him, gave him a new name, uh, and just totally transformed his life. And you know, the reality is God's totally transformed our life as well. And Paul is so on fire, he wants to get the gospel everywhere. Um, kind of as introduction, Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul gives this introduction to this letter that goes to those in Rome. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, uh, as you can see, this is his life, okay? This is life, life's calling. Verse 2, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. One thing to realize, too, is that uh, uh, Saul or Paul, uh, he knew the Scriptures. He knew them. Uh, so everything he knew, as soon as he was converted, he understood all that he saw in the Old Testament that he was studying, that he knew, that he was memorizing, that caused him to have that zeal, even so much to persecute the church, all of a sudden Jesus fit that perfectly. And he understood that. And he spent the rest of his life trying to convince those who were Jews uh, and also the rest of the world of this fact. And so he says, look, Jesus, who I'm following now, who's changed my life, uh, you've got to get a hold of this. He says, go back and look in the scriptures. Go back and look in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled all of that. Uh, verse 3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared 
to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, uh, I'm writing this letter about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole letter, the whole book of Romans is all about the gospel. It's all about how Jesus Christ has changed his life, can change your life. He's writing to those in Rome. He has such a heart to go there. At this time, he hasn't even been to Rome yet. Uh, he's not been to Rome. He's not, seen these, he's not been at this place where these Christians are receiving this letter. Uh, he would go to Rome. Uh, most of us probably know that. He would go to Rome. He'd go as a prisoner. Uh, and, and so he, he's wanting to go there, but Paul is wanting to go to Rome and get, get the gospel there. Um, let's see here. In verse number 14, he says, I'm debtor both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise, to the unwise. So as much as in me is... I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. We catch Paul's zeal. You see, when Paul got saved, it didn't change his zeal. Uh, he, he, it just turned his zeal for somebody else instead of just this, this uh, what, what they just would replace. Or, or Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, and they, they rejected him. Now they accepted him, and he's still on fire for the Lord. Uh, and, and he's saying, look, I'm ready. You ever been just ready for something that you just can't wait? You just can't sleep? I mean, when I was a kid, it was Christmas, right? How many of you kids, you just, when it's Christmas time, boy, you just can't sleep, you know, whether you hear reindeers dancing on the roof or some fat man coming down the chimney eating all your cookies. Uh, me and Layla, we put cookies out, right? We put cookies out last year, and, and he ate all the cookies and drank all the milk, and uh, now I slept okay, all right? But when I was a kid, I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep the night before, you know? I mean, wow, it's Christmas. And I hope the biggest present under the tree is mine. And, you know, all that stuff. I still hope that. But, you know, it's just, you just cannot wait. You're so excited, you know. Uh, I, I remember the, our wedding day. I couldn't sleep. I had guys come from across the country that were in my wedding. and We were buddies. I didn't care about them. You know, at the time, I did when I thought this would be good, this would be cool, because maybe we won't see each other again. The day of my wedding... And the night before, I don't care about you guys. You know, I, I didn't tell them that. You know, but you're just, you're so excited, right? And Paul says, I am thrilled to death. I am ready. I'm ready to go. If you ever played sports, you know, it's, it's game time, right? I am ready to go. Let's get this thing going. Paul says, look, I am ready to preach the gospel. I want to preach the gospel to you. You that are at Rome, I'm ready to go. Just God, give me the get, tell me and I'll go. Uh, the Holy Spirit, just tell me and I'll go. But at this time, the Holy Spirit said, "No, I've got somewhere else for you to go, Paul." We don't have time to get into it, but the Holy Spirit, that, Spirit did that a few times for Paul, not to go here and then to go here. We see how God worked all that out. But so we find in this book of Romans, I love the book of Romans. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. I just I love it. And you find this man's heart who is just thrilled to death to preach. The gospel, that's not just some made-up thing. That's not just, Paul's not just some guy in a nice suit and, and knows how to talk the lingo and do the church talk, brother or sister, you know. Uh, he is just genuine. He's just real. And, and he is really in love with God. He's really thankful that Jesus changed his life. He's really thankful that Jesus saved him from his sin. And he's using him to do that in other people's lives I cannot wait to see you guys. I wish I could get the gospel to you in Rome. But God didn't let him go there at this time. 
But God did let him write this book and write this letter, which we know is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And we have this. And we find here in Romans, and, and again, this is kind of introduction, but it, it gets, it'll all build to this about our, Paul's heart, his desire for the loss. In chapters 1 through 3, we find how uh, the whole world is guilty. The whole world's guilty. Um, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. Verse 16, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel, behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. He says, you're, you're a Jew, you understand the law, all of this stuff, but you're guilty. Um, Romans 3.10, As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. We're guilty. And the whole world is guilty before God. In Romans 1, 2, and 3, we find that. But then, at the end of Romans chapter 3, uh, in verse 23, he says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, there's a, and many times we stop there, right? But there's a semicolon there. He says, Being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. It means a satisfactory payment. The book of Isaiah chapter 53 says that God was well pleased with the, the sacrifice of Jesus, as His soul would be the payment for our sin. He says, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, the whole world's guilty. He's, he's proving this point. It, it's all this le- kind of a legal conversation. He's saying, look, the whole world's guilty. We're all sinners. God is the ultimate judge of this universe. We're not to go around judging everybody ourselves because one day we'll, we will all be judged before God. He's the ultimate judge. We're all sinners. We're going to stand before a, a, a just God who knows our very thoughts. He knows the good deeds we do with the wrong motives in our heart. That's sin. He knows the good that we're supposed to do that we don't do, and that's sin. He knows it all. He says, look, you are all guilty. Paul's saying, I was guilty. But then he says, our God sent Jesus Christ, God in the form of flesh, to be our justifier. Jesus Christ came and paid for our sin, that we might be just. That you and I might actually receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's God's mercy and God's grace. We deserve hell, but we get heaven. And when we stand before God, He's going to say, he, 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 I don't see your sin. And it's not just that we are a pardoned criminal. We actually have the righteousness that Jesus Christ has on our account. We don't deserve it. And that's the only way we can get to heaven. That's why our good can't just outweigh our bad. We're not perfect. And we can't make ourselves perfect. It's only through Jesus Christ. And the picture Paul is painting here is this. The ultimate judge of the universe has the gavel, right? And he says, you, guilty. You, Guilty, you, guilty, guilty, the whole world's guilty, guilty. But here's what I'm, gonna t- I'm, I'm telling you I'm going to do. Takes off the royal robe and sits it down. And he walks out and he, he lets him shackle himself and he goes and pays the sin price while we walk away innocent. That's what Jesus did. And he did that for every single person in the whole world. And as much as I love coming to church, I grew up in church, sometimes... 
I say this because I'm guilty of it. We can come to church and think God, God loves all of us. I love coming to church. God loves us so much. We forget about all the rest of the people out there that God loves just as much as he loves us in here. And Paul says he justified us. Going through chapters 4, we see this justification. Uh, look at chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore being justified... By faith, he makes this point, look, it's not about yourself. It's not about keeping this law. Uh, you couldn't do it. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. When I was a four-year-old boy, I got saved. A week after I, was, I turned four, December 21st, 1993, I trust Christ as my Savior. Now, I'm not saying every four-year-old, is that's when they get saved. I'm just saying that's when I got saved, and I remember that. I remember that like just like it was yesterday. It wasn't. It gets further and further away every day, but uh, unfortunately, but uh, I remember that. And uh, you know what I did? I prayed. I asked Jesus, God, I, I want you to save me. Would you please save me? Forgive me my sin. Take me to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Would you save me? I'm trusting in you. That's what I did. It was faith. I stepped out in faith. And he's saying that's all it takes is faith. As we look at Romans chapter six and verse uh, chapter six and chapter seven, uh, even into chapter 8, we see this process of what the Bible calls sanctification. Where God, okay, now that we're saved, He's working in us. And it's not that, it's this outward conformity. You see that in Romans chapter 12, right? Be not conformed to, to the, from this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, look, it's not about just this outward conformity. It's not about us, all of us looking like one another and sounding just like one another, all that kind of stuff. He's saying, look... It's about God working in you to work through you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's, what the, it's why God, one of the main reasons why God gave us the Holy Spirit of God. What boggles my mind is that Jesus Christ, as He lived here and walked on this earth and fulfilled the work of His heavenly Father, He did that in, with the enabling, the power, the leading, the guiding, the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And when we get saved, we get that same Holy Spirit inside of us. We're not allowed to get, say, uh, God, I can't do that. When God says, hey, I'd like for you to do this. I'd like for you to go talk to this person. I'd like for you, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you should go, oh, I can't do that, God. How many times have, and I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody in here, okay? How many times have you been sitting in a church service or reading your Bible during your devotions or even listening to a gospel song or maybe you're just driving down the road and it's just quiet and all of a sudden, God talks to your heart. You say, oh. No, no, nah, nah, you know, maybe you could tell me again. You know, remind me, right? It's like when you get a notification, update your phone. Uh, remind me three. I don't have time for this, right? Uh, remind me in tomorrow, you know, or whatever. And we just keep pushing it, and God keeps working on our heart, working on our heart. God, I, I can't do this, God. I, I can't go there. We don't have that excuse. We have the unlimited power of God by means of the Holy Spirit of God inside of us, in our bodies. And He works on us. He works on us. He, he wants us to do right. He wants us to live. He wants Christ to be formed in us. That's what He wants. He doesn't want everybody. And, I, and Brother Shaver doesn't want everybody to look and talk like Brother Shaver. And, and, and I don't want you leaving here trying to look and talk like me because you probably don't want to look like me anyway, all right? And, uh, and talk like me and, and all this stuff. You know, we all have our little quirks and all this. You know, that's not it at all. That's not the goal. The goal of the Christian life is to be more like Jesus. That's what it is. And it's not that we do that in our flesh. When we do it in our flesh, we fail. When we do it in our flesh, it's, it's hard. Paul says in Romans chapter, uh, let's see, in, in chapter 7, verse number 24, O wretched 
man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Uh, what he's saying is in from verse 14. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I, th what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Uh, you see the, kind of this back and forth. He's saying, look, if all we're going to do is try to be this good Christian and, and fabricate this good Christian and this good Christianity and all this stuff, well, guess what? When we do that and we do that in our flesh... We're going to fall. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And we've all done that. But he's saying, who's going to... He says, oh, wretched man. That he said, I'm worn out from this. I'm tired of this. Have you ever been there? Trying to be that good Christian in your flesh? You're like, I'm trying as hard as I can. You wake up that morning. Okay, I'm going to do it this time. right? I'm going to be that Christian. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that girl. I'm gonna, uh, and then 10 minutes later, you mess up. Or whatever, you like, forget it. I'll try tomorrow. You know, right? Uh, and we're doing it in our flesh. He says, I I'm tired of this. Verse 25, Romans 7, 25 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Uh, chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, it's God working in us. We walk according to the flesh, and will not fulfill the lust of the, or, or according to the Spirit, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Inside of us, we've got that old sin nature. No matter how hard we try, to the day we die, Paul says, I die daily. I crucify the flesh. You have to keep pushing it down, keep putting it back in the grave. It keeps coming back every single day, but we've got the Holy Spirit of God inside. They're going back and forth. We, we reckon that. We yield to that. And who we yield to is who we serve. And so we see all the way through even chapter 8, this victorious Christian life that God gives us. And then here's what we do. I, I say all that, and not to just give a whole overview of the book of Romans, but it, it leads up to this. In Romans chapter nine, chapters 9, 10, and 11, you find Paul's heart for Israel. And what we've got to remember is, is that Paul's a Jew. These are his people. This is his nation. These are people that he would have worked with, I'm sure, before he got saved. And now he's on the total opposite spectrum. Do you have somebody in your family or somebody that's a neighbor or somebody that you are really close with or somebody that you work with who, because you're trying to be the kind of Christian God wants you to be and let the Holy Spirit work through you, you kind of find yourself on opposite sides of the spectrum of life? I've got family like that, and I hate that. But that's, that's how things are sometimes. And Paul, he comes to this, he's, he understands, he's so excited about the gospel. He understands the gospel has changed his life. He understands that now that we're saved, we've got the Holy Spirit living in us that we, enables us to be the Christian that God wants us to be. And all we do, we just have to yield to him. We mess up, we come to God, we confess that, we move on. And, and Paul says, look, I wish my country, my countrymen, my brethren could understand this. And I wish they could, I wish they could grasp this. Understand, Paul's writing to Rome. He's writing this letter to Christians in Rome. And now this little paraphrase, or para, I guess paraphrase or whatever it's called, a parenthetical statement or whatnot, right? Uh, in Romans chapters 9, 10, 11, right here in the heart of the book of Romans, you find Paul's heart, which ultimately is the heart of Christ. And here's what we'll look at. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. 
my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. You ever, isn't it funny? He says, I, I'm not lying here. <laughs> you, you ever done that? You, you try to say something that's just so exciting or you just, you're not going to believe, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You, you got to see this. You got, I got to tell you this. I'm not lying. I'm, wrong. I'm not lying. I'm not making this stuff up. It's real. It really happened. It's funny. Paul's saying that right here. He's saying, look, I'm not lying. The Holy Spirit, he says, is, is bearing witness with my conscience. If you want to ask the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you it's true. Okay. He says, I'm not lying here. Verse number two, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. I say, well, wait a minute, Paul. You, all this, this whole time, you're, you're talking about how great the gospel is. You're talking about how great Christ, all the great things Christ has done for you and the Holy Spirit, and you're saved, and you, you were guilty, and the judge uh, pardoned you by, the, by what Jesus did for you, and, and now He's given you the power, the strength to live the Christian life, and, and all this, and you have victory, and you're not struggling. Whoa, hold on a second. What, what just happened? Paul says, I, I've got this continual sorrow, this heaviness on my heart. You ever been there where you've just... Something was just bothering you so much. It just felt like a weight. And maybe you're there now. Maybe it's something with family. Sometimes family is the hardest. Something, you know, maybe work, right? As like, you know, men with families, you know, I've been there. Where you don't know where the work's going to come or whatnot. And it's a weight. You lay there in bed and you feel like you have to sit up because you can't breathe. And he says, I've got this weight on my heart. And then he says, it's a continual sorrow in my heart continual sorrow. Paul, you just talked about how great the Christian life is and in the power of God and all this. Why, why, why are you sorry? You ever had a, a friend or family or maybe a spouse, right? And you can see that something's wrong. I think we would see on Paul's face, his face, just something changing. I think you could see it in his eyes as he's, he's kind of changing the, the statement here, kind of changing the dialogue. And he says, Verse 3, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. Say, Whoa, Paul, you just said God saved you. He saved you out of the life that you were living and, and all of this. He saved you from hell and, and now to heaven. And, and then and until you get there, you have this life that God's going to help you with. And, and then you say, I wish that God, if somehow you could, I, I could break away from that and give the salvation you've given to me to somebody else. That was the burden. That was this continual sorrow that Paul had on his heart. Continually. It was on his mind all the time. It's all he was thinking about. And we've got to understand what, what controls our mind is what's going to end up controlling our actions. And what we believe determines our behavior. Right? He says, For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren. My kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's saying, not my brethren like brothers and sisters in Christ. He's saying, according to the flesh, my own countrymen. I know there's a lot going on in our country. I know it's crazy and, you know, all this stuff. And, and I'm all for America, okay? And, and I've got family that's served in, in, in uh, the Marines and the Army. And my dad was in the Army. My uncle was in the Marines. You know, all of that. I'm all for that. But what scares me Maybe, again, because I see it in myself sometimes, is we, get, we can get caught up in all the politics of it, which, of course, right now it's close to election, and, yeah, you know, we've got to do our part as Americans. I, I, I'm all for that. But we also are Christians. And it's first, priorities. And it's not just, and it's not that you have to put 
being an American, American aside and all that, but there are priorities. And our burden for our countrymen ought to be that they're saved. It sounds like maybe for the current you talked this morning about that being the answer to all of it, and that's totally true. But that ought to be the burden of every believer for the lost. And what we see Paul here, he's talking about his own country. He's not even living in his own country when he writes this letter, but again, this is on his heart and on his mind continually. I'd like for you to look in Romans 10, verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. Look, he's saying, brethren. Now he's talking to the other Christians. He, now, he already was, but he's, he's making the statement. He's addressing them. He's saying, look, brethren, brothers, sisters in Christ, here, let me tell you my heart. If you haven't caught it yet, here's my heart, and here is my prayer. You know, we always know what has our heart by what we pray about and by who we talk to it about. And if we're not praying about it, sounds like you might have even mentioned that today, too. I don't know. But, and I thought about that. You know, as, as an American, uh, I, I would say, and I would agree with my own statement, I, I would say uh, that, um, you know, if you don't vote, then you have no right to complain about what's going on in our country. But as a Christian, we're not praying. What right do we have to complain about what's going on? in our country or around the world, or even in our own local churches for that matter. He says, this is my heart. This is my prayer. And at the end of verse 1 of chapter 10, that they might be saved. For Israel is that they might be saved. And quickly, verse number 1 of chapter 11. Actually, chapter 10, verse 21. The last verse of chapter 10. He says, but to Israel he saith, Talking about God now, okay? Um, God speaking to Israel. He's saying, uh, and I wish I had the cross-reference uh, of where this is also spoken of in, in the Old Testament. I don't have it in front of me. Maybe you can look that up later. But Romans chapter 10, verse 21. But to Israel he saith, all day long, I've stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people. Have you ever tried to help somebody up before? I mean, physically, like maybe playing sports or something. Somebody trips or somebody falls and you try to help them up. Now, I'm not a good sport, okay? I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, I'm too competitive, all right? Uh, my wife will tell you that. We can't even play Uno together, okay? I want to win, all right? Too bad. Uh, it's, I can't do it. It's so hard. Uh, uh, pray, you know, much for my wife. Uh, she thinks I'm going to beat her, you know, whenever uh, uh, we, she wins or beats me in something. But uh, anyways, okay? Um, so I didn't help too many of the opposing team up ever, okay? Uh, that's, that's probably bad. Uh, but, okay, have you ever been there, though? Somebody trips, somebody falls, and you go, you, what do you do? You reach down. I mean, well, nowadays, right? Put your gloves on. Hey, put your mask on. You want me to help you? Put your mask on, all right? You know? Uh, and, and so you help them up. And, and now this is a lot with little kids, right? I can do it. No, I'll do it. Now, I understand you know, okay, go ahead, you know, get up then, you know, and, uh, and, and, and God's saying, all day long, I've stretched out my hands unto a disobedient and a gainsaying people all day long. Now, if one person, if, if somebody says, no, I'm okay, I got it, okay, I mean, that's what I would do, 
But God says all day long, let me help you. Let me help you. They're persecuting the church. Let me help you. They're crucifying Christ. Let me help you. Jesus on the cross prayed for those who were crucifying Him. He saved the one who was next to Him on the cross who had been mocking Him already. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help No. Not only are they rejecting Him, it's as if they're just swatting at His hand. I don't need that. I don't need your help. Now, we've all been there, haven't we? I got this. I can do this on my own. I can do this life thing on my own. And then eventually we have to go back to God and say, okay, I can't get up. You know, I'm stuck. <laughs> okay, help me. Uh, you know, uh, no, no, no thanks, God. I got this. I'm good. Nope, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need your salvation. I'm good. I'll figure it out. I've got my religion. I'm good. I'm good. No, God, stop. And all day long, God's got his hands out. It continues to Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away His people? Has God, is God done with Israel? Again, this is His heart for His people. He says, God forbid. No way. No way. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. You know what Paul is saying here? He's saying, I can tell you for a fact that God is not done with you. I can tell you for a fact that God's mercy is still extended in this context for Israel because I'm an Israelite. And I know the kind of person I was. And Jesus made a personal visit to me right in the middle of an, a, a terrible act against the people of Christ. You know how I know God's not done with this world? Because God saved me. And God saved you. And we're not as good as we think we are. We were guilty. And we needed a Savior. And Paul understood that. And Paul's burden for his own countrymen was that they'd be saved. It was heavy on his heart. It was a constant prayer. He, he spoke to God much about it. He begged God much for that. It moved him to action. He gave his life for that. At the end of his life, he'd come to Rome. He'd be there uh, near the end of his life. And, uh, and, you know, it's just, Paul said, I know by experience, this is what God's done for me. And this is what he can do for you. And the message tonight is very simple. It's just the question, how is your, bur your burden for the lost? And how is your burden for your own country? And for the lost of our country. I said it doesn't take much to look around our country and realize that we live in a lost world. <clears throat> we live in a sin-cursed world. And we can clearly see the human nature, right? Live depraved human nature at its worst. And this world needs Jesus. The point of a lot of what was written in the book of Romans is the fact that Paul knew he needed Jesus. God gave Paul the gospel, and God, Paul did everything he could to get the gospel out to everybody he knew. And what are we doing with it? We're saved? If you're here tonight and you're not saved, what are you waiting for? Get saved. God loves you. He wants you saved. He gave his life for you. He prays for you. Jesus prayed for you. And then those of us who are saved, 
How is our burden for the lost and for the lost of our own country? Um, I'm sure we'd all say from the pulpit on back, it could be a little better. Um, and so I don't know how you normally do, but I'm going to pray. As I pray here, if the Lord spoke to your heart, you pray there. That's fine. Um, but let's not leave here the same. Let's leave here with a burden on our heart and even, even a bit of a, a sorrow, a tear in our eye. And, and everywhere we go, let's look out and say, is that person saved? Heaven or hell? Is that person saved? Do they know the Lord? They're not going to hear it from anyone else but another Christian. And God puts us in certain places where we have to yield to Him. We say they don't want to hear it. We don't know that. We've got to step out by faith yielding to the Holy Spirit of God and allowing Him to live through us because God can do so much more with us than we can do ourselves. How's our burden for the lost? Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that you've saved me. I thank you that you saved my family. <clears throat> and I thank you for this church as we gather together as believers in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you'd help Evergreen Baptist Church, to be the salt and light that this world needs. I pray you'd help me and my family in Seattle Baptist Church to be the salt and light that our world and our communities, our neighborhoods need. We're to get the gospel around the world, but it starts right where we're at. And I pray you'd help us to do that. I pray you'd put a burden on all of our hearts, and a burden so much so that would move us to prayer and to move us to action and move in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our flesh, not a fleshly thing, but by your Spirit. Love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.